2: welcome to the approach shot the golf show that's more laughs than links more stories than strokes more guffaws than golfers here are the hosts of the approach shot john ashton and neil michaels
3: it's time for us us being the Approach Shot, I'm John Ashton. He is Neil. How you doing, Michaels?
4: How you doing?
5: <laughs>
4: I wonder if they knew when they were doing Friends that that was going to turn into such an iconic, silly thing to say. How you I'm doing?
3: S- <laughs> you know, I'm probably the, the one person in the world who did not like Friends. Oh. <sighs> Courtney well, Cox, I
4: I, I I can't do this with you anymore. Goodbye, Courtney Cox. I liked. Mm, A lot. Really? <laughs> of all of the, if all of the people on the show, she is the one I like the least. See? Yeah,
3: I think I think you're right.
4: <laughs> yeah, we can't do this anymore. Before that's we go it, any that's, farther, let the just end of it.
3: Break up to make up here. It, um, it, it, it is funny. I had the same problem with Seinfeld though. I don't like problem. self TV shows about self absorbed stupid people. And both Seinfeld and Friends were made up of a cast full of self-absorbed stupid people.
4: Okay, I if don't agree.
3: Do, it won't be the first time you've been wrong.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, <laughs> I, I don't agree. I, the, you, You're you not talking about the actors being stupid. You're talking about the characters. No, the characters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do agree with that on Seinfeld, and I'm not a huge Seinfeld fan, so that's two of us. Friends, I didn't think they were so self-absorbed. Well, okay, maybe, but they weren't stupid. Mm-hmm. I think you're missing the the part of it that, that is the friendships and, and all of that.
3: The friends part. Hence, hence the, the name.
4: They part. were originally going to call it stupid young people, but they didn't <laughs> think people would watch. So there you go. Yeah. Hey, well, speaking of things people watch, mm-hmm. we are now officially one week removed from the big game.
0: Yes, and uh,
4: I think everybody, no matter if you're rooting for the Rams or the Bengals, were satisfied with the fact that it was a good game, that some of the stars shined and all of Mm -hmm. that. But here we are in what I like to call sports purgatory. Oh, yeah. Super Bowl's over. Baseball is on strike or whatever the hell they're calling it. Mm -hmm. The NBA is interesting because we just had a bunch of trades. But in the NHL, I'm I'm just never got to be a big NHL fan. So we're kind of in that blase zone. Yeah, there's nothing to watch but golf. I'm saying, I think <laughs> this might be because of everything that's going on and some of the the recent tournaments, including the one we just had in Phoenix where the crowd went crazy. This might be the year with baseball sort of on the shelf for right now that golf may pick up a bunch of viewers.
3: You know, especially if, if more golf were like last weekend's tournament. Yeah. It would definitely pick up. I had a discussion about this uh, on the other podcast just last week, that the atmosphere surrounding golf precludes people getting excited about watching it.
4: Oh, what you're trying to say in your really nice way is that the polite applause and stuff makes it dull? Makes it very dull. Yes. and And yet every other sport who's allowed to hoot and holler and yip and yang and stuff that makes it part of the excitement that if they had more of that in golf, it would be more approachable.
3: Two cases in point please to, to show how much I agree with what you just said okay One is of course the waste management open yep. more the WM. I mean come on people, it's a golf tournament sponsored by a garbage pickup company. yeah it's the garbage man's tournament, okay? Everybody on that 16th hole is screaming. It's 25,000 people screaming. They showered the place with beer when that kid got the hole-in-one. And nobody complained. Nobody was like, oh, no, you really shouldn't be doing that kind of thing. That is just... uh,
4: (laughs) You
3: know, take the old men in funny pants and send them to another sport because we don't need them anymore.
4: There you go. Let me stop you there. I think that part of the perception of golf has been that it's old white men in funny pants. Mm-hmm. And if you, you in it up, if you let people express themselves, and remember, I was very against this with the Ryder Cup. If you let people express themselves, if you become more inclusive and you make it everybody's game where people say, man, I wish I was in Phoenix for that. Man, I wish I had seen that mm-hmm. tournament suddenly it becomes something that's more approachable.
3: Well, Bubba Watson at the Ryder Cup four years ago was another, my my second proof of of how it works because he came out to the tee and you know how everybody's holding up the quiet signs and stuff like right. that. He's like, the hell with that. He's screaming. He is leading the chance of USA, USA, <laughs> USA. And he kept him going as he addressed the ball and hit his first shot. Yeah. Straight in the middle of the fairway. So it's possible, huh? Yeah. You don't need quiet. You don't need to concentrate. I, I don't care how difficult you think the game of golf is. And we've asked this question and we may ask it of, of our guest today because he uh-huh. plays both baseball and golf. Is it any harder? Do you have to concentrate any more to hit a 95 mile an hour fastball than you do a stationary golf ball? Yep. The answer is no way. Yet these guys, especially our guest today, was quite proficient at hitting ninety-five mile an hour fastballs. Yeah, and curveballs, and telling the difference between the two.
4: Yeah, and um, and nobody ever said when he was at the plate. Remember, he played sixteen years. Yeah, when he was at the plate, no one ever said, "Can we have some quiet?" Yeah. Our guest today played in the league for sixteen years. For a number of organizations, but you will know him best for his days with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Don Slot, otherwise known as Sluggo. So, yes, I can get back on my soapbox about having no nickname <laughs> that even comes close. <laughs> Sluggo is going to be with us, and he's got some stories, man. He has he got some indeed. stories.
3: He does indeed. So, uh, so let's go, USA,
5: USA.
4: Maybe we should come up with a chant of our own as we go into commercials. Like, the approach shot, the approach shot, the approach shot. You'll be right back. The holidays are a great time of year, mostly. Let's face it, a lot of us feel stressed too. Gift giving, family money issues, it's a lot and can cause stress, anxiety, even affect your sleep. Hey, it's Neil, and if you haven't tried CBD to help with your stress and anxiety, you should. And the best CBD is the De-Stress Blend from Ned, spelled N-E-D. Ned's De-Stress Blend has been in development for over a year and contains a one-to-one formula of CBD and CBG, which is known as the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is at combating stress and anxiety. Ned's products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs and Ned products have over 2,000 five-star reviews. Just to be clear now, there's no THC in these products, so there's no risk of getting high. Just in time for the holidays, listeners of the Approach shot get 20% off Ned products by going to helloned.com and using the code approach. That's h e l l o n e d.com and using the code approach for 20% off. Plus You'll get a free gift when you spend over $150.
5: Hey,
3: it is us back again, The Approach Shot. I am John Ashton. He is Neil Michaels, not Sluggo. Not Sluggo. This is a comparison that no one, I think, would ever make,
4: Neil. I I think that is true, but, (laughs) but I do have to tell you, I have always had... Nickname Envy because I've never had a good one.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Oh. So when somebody comes on the show like Drano was on the show a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and now we have Sluggo on the show, <laughs> I, I have really bad nickname Envy. I'm sorry. Don Slot, 16 year major league veteran, also owner of Right View Pro and partner in OnBase University. Thank you for joining us on the approach shot.
5: Thank you. Appreciate it. And by the way, I'm not the owner of RightView Pro anymore. You're not? I, no. I, when the pandemic hit, I sold it, and I was coaching at UCLA, and I said, D1 or Interactive Frontiers, which is the biggest video analysis system in golf. Mm-hmm. They took me over and took my employees, and they're trying to get into baseball and softball. Well, how about so that? There you go. Yeah.
4: Founder of. <laughs> yeah, founder of. <laughs> I did found it. I did run it for 17 years,
5: but yeah. Like that's one of the John I was telling you earlier that you know that's one of the four retirements. You know, basically, what happens when you retire, you start doing something else.
3: Actually, can we just say he had a 14 year career because for a couple of years he played for the Yankees, and I'd rather not
5: not, uh... talk about (laughs) those.
4: (laughs) I was actually going to get into that later, but since you since you brought it up now, Don, some one of the things that I find the most fascinating about your career because 16 years in the major leagues is a very, very long career. You You played your most quote-unquote successful years statistically were with the Royals and with the Pirates. I think most people know you from the time with the Pirates. But you also played with the California before they were the Los Angeles Angels and with the Yankees. That's a real dichotomy as far as size of a market. As a player, did it feel different?
5: uh, Yeah, I I think each place felt different. You know, I played in... Kansas City then I played in Texas then I played for the Yankees and then I played for Pittsburgh I was in Pittsburgh for six years that was the one that I was most worried about and we I got traded in the offseason like in December my wife and I and and my new child flew in to Pittsburgh we're thinking we're going to see black clouds and you know know, black sky and we came out through the tunnel and the city was all lit up with the rivers and the and the snow on the ground, I mean, it was beautiful. It was, yeah. of course, getting to play with Barry Bonds and Bob Vanilla and Andy Van Slyke and Doug Dre. But, I mean, we just we were kind of loaded in yep. uh, 90 through
3: 92. I worked in Pittsburgh for a, a short while, but I always thought that that view of driving from the west th- through that tunnel and hitting the city, I yeah. should have opened Monday Night Football with that. I mean, it was <laughs> yes. just, yeah. bam, the way it hits yeah. you like that was
5: great. It was cool.
2: Yeah.
4: And for people who haven't been there, coming through that tunnel is an incredible view. And then Three Rivers Stadium was right there. And there are literally three rivers that meet right in the spot where now Heinz Field is, where Three Rivers Stadium was. And it's it's spectacular. And it is. Pittsburgh is, is very underrated as far as the quality of life,
5: I think. Yes, it is. I mean, it, it, my wife and I, like, that was kind of my favorite team, not only because we were pretty good. The people were great. The, the fans were great. You know, it was a time when the Steelers were, you know, superstars, and, mm-hmm. but they still supported their uh, their Pirates. I can imagine yeah, being and, in
3: Pittsburgh. would well, and, been a, and, I was going to say, being, being in Pittsburgh, probably a lot more, you became a lot more familiar with the fans than you would in a place like New York.
5: Definitely, definitely. You know, in, in New York, you know, there was a lot more crowd control for us. I mean, we mm-hmm. could walk out to our cars, no problem. People were great. Sign some, a few autographs and head home. Yeah.
4: <laughs> so do you, do you have any idea how ridiculous it is that a catcher hit three hundred seven times, including hitting <laughs> 345 in
5: 1992? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The thing that I'm the most proud of in my career is I got better throughout my career. In my first eight years in the major leagues, I think I hit 260 something. In my last eight years, I hit over 300. In my last five years, I hit over three ten. Mm. So it was I. I found ways to get better. Good information works, and mm-hmm. I threw out bad information, took in good information. And even though I was old and slow, you know, at the end of my career, <laughs> I still hit for a higher average.
4: That's why they called you Sluggo, not Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they
5: just, I, I remember one watching a replay one time, and the guy goes. Even Slot got a double on that one. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's nice to know your lack of speed is, is something that's being discussed and pointed but, at. It.
5: Know, I was, when I signed, I was supposed to be, you know, runs well for a catcher. And then in my triple in A, a guy slid into home plate and just broke my leg. He was wearing a knee brace and hit me in the shin guard, but it broke my leg. And uh, after that, I wasn't ever as fast. Yeah.
3: Have have countries- I, got
5: a, I got a few bags. Do you get my stats up there? Do I have any? Did I steal any bases? Do I, uh, how many? How many did I get?
4: You know what? I just happen <laughs> to have your stats around. I think, I, I think if I put this up, Five? it's going to be that or less. <laughs> well,
5: that's not true. <laughs> well, that's that's hold like on. A, half a stolen base a year. <laughs> or a third, I,
4: I think it's I think it just maybe um, there was a dry spell there for you know <laughs> ten years.
5: <laughs> well, even a hit and run or something like that, I would get a phase.
4: No, you had eighteen. You had eighteen. Well, I, well, I
5: averaged over one a year. How about that? <laughs> oh, <going>. right.
4: <laughs> Let's see. We had uh, your biggest year was uh, in eighty five. You had five. In eighty six, you had three. But here's the here's the thing you're going to be most proud of. You stole 18 bases, but you got caught 15 times. Oh so, <laughs> so just just stay on first.
5: Like like they,
3: like they say runs well for a catcher. For a catcher. <laughs>
5: <laughs> the second sentence. There you go.
4: Uh well, you know, also hits well for a catcher. Because you know, in baseball these days and Anytime anybody says these days, it immediately makes me sound like an old guy. But the we fact that, that the
5: game—we kind of are, <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah—the <laughs> fact the game has changed, and and we're we're all falling in love with the long ball and teaching swings that go up instead of teaching line drives. You're not going to get a lot of—I mean, forget getting a catcher that hits 345. You're not going to get a lot of people, period, that hit, hit 345. How do well, you feel I, about I mean, the way the game's changed?
5: The way the game's changed is, and it, and remember, it ebbs and flows, right? Mm-hmm. The game today is about walks, strikeouts, and home runs and shifts mm-hmm. and things like that. Now, Atlanta Braves kind of won the World Series by beating the shift. You saw Freeman hitting balls up the middle, yeah. singles up the middle, doubles up the middle. So and I know the Dodgers are working on this. Hey, if you get a freebie, take a freebie because yeah. the next guy in our order can still hit a bomb. Right. Does that make sense? So get yep. those bases, then hit the bomb. The game's kind of total bases. It's kind of the way it's played now. You know, how many bases would you rather have one home run in four at-bats or four singles? Same amount of bases, mm-hmm. but they'd rather have the home run.
4: <laughs> yeah, it. but in when you first got into the league, that's when the Cardinals had their big run with Vince Coleman and, and those guys. The speedsters, and yeah. they played entirely different. It was single, steal a base, sacrifice, and get the run on a ground out. And it's one and, to nothing, and all you only had one hit.
5: Right. And and Pittsburgh played the same way. But you're also playing to your field. We had turf back then, mm. you know, mm-hmm. which if you, if you get a single, you, I mean, you can go first to third. The ball can get to the wall. You can hit a single that turns into a triple, all sorts of yeah. stuff. So Pittsburgh, we bunted when we were good. If leadoff hitter got on, Wally Backman got on, whoever it was, we bunted. Everybody knew it. And Jay Bell got the job done, and then he got Andy Van Slyke and Barry Bonds to get him in. Right. It, just, it, was just, it was just a, it was a great formula.
3: Yeah, and it worked.
5: And it worked till the end. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Until the make end. it
5: to the World Series, until I coached.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have Don Slott as our guest here on the Approach Shot, and we're talking baseball, maybe even talk a little golf because. It's a stick and you swing it, right? I mean, it's the same you'll game. Be, you'll
5: be surprised. <laughs> you'll be surprised who my partner is an on-base shield.
3: Ooh, well, we'll have to come back and we will, we will tease you with that. Hang out and <laughs> we'll, we'll let you know when we come right back. We are the approach shop. Don't you go away.
4: Hey, it's Neil. And like you, I've heard about a lot of folks making money with crypto. But frankly, outside of Bitcoin, I know nothing about crypto. Well, I was curious and on YouTube I found Crypto with James and started watching. James is cryptocurrency expert James McMahon, and his Copy My Crypto membership site shows you the very cryptocurrencies that he personally holds. So you can actually just copy them. Crypto with James's YouTube channel has over 15,000 subscribers and 1 million views. As an example, James's top pick of the year, a coin called Phantom, is currently up 440 times what it was when he originally made it one of his picks. Imagine if you had just put $1,000 into that one investment. So join the 1,300 members who already take advice from, or just copy James by going to copymycrypto.com approach. You'll not only find proof of everything I've said, but listeners of The Approach Shot can join for just $1. You won't find this offer anywhere else on the internet. That's copymycrypto.com slash approach and join today for just
5: $1. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news. Now, you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Generic Sildenafil allows you to save up to
1: $650 on Viagra.
5: Why pay name brand prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get the same results for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 50 generic Sildenafil pills for just $99. Call 800-590-0443. That's 800 800- 800-590-0443. again
3: 800-590-0443. Uh, we are back It is us I'm John Ashton he is Neil Michaels still not sluggo still not somebody do do us a favor guys could you come up with a with a decent nickname for Neil maybe we should run a contest or something see if we can get go. a decent nickname for for neil
4: michaels that's a really scary thing to put out there (laughs) i know we'll have the list might be fun (laughs) yeah it would be
3: don slot is our guest uh 16 year major league career great catcher new knees now because i think probably every catcher has to have new knees eventually
5: well they're not new they're just they were just cleaned up He he thought my cartilage was really good for doing what i did for so long
3: Yes, okay. So he decent knees for a catcher.
5: So. <laughs> yeah. now, now see that that's better than,
4: you know, can only steal 18 bases over sixteen years. <laughs> decent knees for a catcher. It's a pretty good nickname. Yeah. All right, you teased it. Who is your partner in On Base University?
5: Dr. Greg Rose, who is the one that started the titleist performance institute down in Oakland. Wow. <laughs> the, story, the way the story goes is, you know, I created when I retired, I coached high school and I figured out, well, gosh, it's hard to coach high school players if they don't know what they're doing and they don't <laughs> know what I want them to do. So I created a video analysis system and I called Major League Baseball and I said, gosh, all my kids are squishing the bug, leaving their weight on their back foot. And I said, that's not what major leaguers do. They said, we agree. 80 percent of the kids were quitting at the age of 13 years old. So I said, you know, what I want is I just need video to prove that Tomomanskis that are selling the one, two, three method on, on ESPN are not helping players; they're hurting players, especially when they get to the high school level, when a pitcher can change speeds or throw breaking balls. And so they agreed, and it was funny. They said, "We, will make video; we'll get high-speed video from exact angles and stuff like that." And then a video analysis company came in. So what I did is they filmed the All-Star game for 15 straight years with four cameras on the hitters from 90 degree angles and four on the pitchers. And so that we could show a player. You kind of start like this and here's where you are and this is where I want you. So that started Right B Pro. Uh, you mentioned it at the beginning of the show here, but that's how it kind of started was, well, it actually started because my son, I was coaching Little League also. So my, I asked my son a question about hitting, he goes, ah, dad, it's easier to show than explain. And he gets credit for me saying, you know what? Yes, I got to prove my points. If I'm going to go up to the high school and they've been taught for 13 years to do it this way or six years and had five different coaches or three different coaches, I said, I have to prove my points. And that's Mm -hmm. why I went to MLB. All right.
4: Did you find it hard to get through MLB, the MLBPA, and the NPF, was there any red taper involved, or were they behind it? No, they
5: were totally behind it. I mean, it's about promoting the sport and helping. Like I said, 80% of the kids quit at age 13. Wouldn't Mm it be nice to have 3 million players playing in high school? Yeah. And I said, the reason they don't is they're not successful. So they accommodated me. They charged me a lot of money. and then, (laughs) But what happened was, is I had to pay them less and less as the years went on, because we were seeing some benefits from it. We were seeing Mm -hmm. World Series titles. We were seeing championships, American and National League championships. We saw 17 national champions in baseball and softball. So it was, they saw the benefit of it. So, you know, when I had to come back and say, negotiate, negotiate. So, (laughs) you know, we're trying to help kids. It was major league baseball, the players association. They both got involved. And then the MPF. You know, I needed something for the girls. I think it was 2004. Uh, I went out and filmed the World Series of the MPF. Got all the models, Jenny Finch. You know, so if you're a pitcher, you have somebody to compare against or look at. Nobody got to see slow motion video or especially softball.
3: So, Very cool. Yeah. When when you were playing, Don, especially at the height of your career, did you play golf simultaneously? And if oh, yeah. so,
5: yeah, but the- not as much as the pitchers. <laughs> you know, those guys—they they, they got four days off to play golf. You know? But, but uh, how? Off days, yes.
3: How much of of a competitor to the baseball swing is a golf swing? Well, Does one screw okay. up the other?
5: It, uh, we just talked about Dr. Greg Rose, right? Yeah. So I was down at Tyler's Performance Institute. We were testing some uh, major league players and some minor league players. We were doing 3D analysis. We were doing those kind of things, and in the afternoon an ex major league baseball player came down to get a lesson with Greg Rose. <laughs> and so I'm standing there and he's, he's saying, you know, the first thing I got you to do is roll your wrists. He says, baseball players all wanna, always want to stay like this. Cause we're going to hit, we don't know what speed the ball's coming. So we're going right. to stay on plane. And he goes, so all I want you to do is just kind of duck hook this ball, find a way to duck hook it, make it go down and left. And then he goes, all right, now that we got you duck hooking, Now I want you to swing in that white building three fairways over. So I want you to swing at the the building three fairways over, but then also hook. And I sat there for 20 minutes, and this guy would do one good, three bad. Mm -hmm. He would either not close up the face, or he wouldn't swing out there. I left and went into the simulator, and I said, I can do this. You tell me to do something, I can do it, Mm -hmm. right? I think that's kind of sometimes with your best athlete. If they know what to do, you can do it. And so i went in there and two days later he never talked to greg never talked to me never watched me swing two days later i was in texas for a wedding it's a wedding golf tournament okay my first drive was 280 yards i hadn't hit it 250 in 10 years
3: okay
5: more than 10 you know 250. right so i had a little draw on the ball my lifetime friend from six months old Just went, oh my God, what happened? And I said Yeah. But it's like I said, it's good information works. I mean, you still have to be able to accomplish the tasks, but it was great. I won the golf tournament.
4: Oh nice. Very nice.
5: I mean, I hadn't played golf in a year before that. So that's
3: That's one of the major frustrations. I have a very good friend who played softball all through high school, college, and he's almost sixty years old and he's been playing twice a week. His entire life. He will sit there on the tee and he will complain. He said, I can hit a softball coming at me at various speeds, anywhere on the field. I want to hit it, but I have a stationary ball right in front of me right now. And I have no earthly idea where this thing is going to go.
5: (laughs) (laughs) So, so in our on-base youth seminars, which are for baseball and softball, Greg and I kind of go back and forth. He thinks golf's harder than hitting a baseball. And mm-hmm. I said, our seven-year-olds hit off tees. You know, you know, it, 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 you got robots that can golf better than anybody else. Let's see a robot hit a, you know, a 95-mile-an-hour whatever pitch is coming.
3: They have not
4: invented the radar that could do that yet.
5: No, no they have not. I, I'm
4: sort of looking back at your history. You played – you're coaching now softball at UCLA. Yes. Which is really cool. Volunteer coach, yeah. Volunteer coach. So it's sort of like going back. It's like deja vu all over again because you were an academic All-American in 79 at UCLA. Which do you think is more important for a coach or manager, whether it's softball or at the major league level? Is it like is it more important to have as a coach, to have talent, to have playing experience or to have (laughs) baseball IQ?
5: (laughs) All right. I'll tell you a quick story. So I'm at Dodger Stadium. I got Jim Leland. I brought my fraternity brother out with me. And, and, you know, this is two o'clock in the afternoon. We had a seven o'clock game. Hmm. So we're out there. and Jim Leland's sitting out in his underwear, smoking a (laughs) cigarette on the bench. And my my roommate, my roommate turns to him and goes, so what kind of player is Don? And Jim goes, "Eh, he's an all right player, but a great guy. <laughs> and I There's said, a compliment. Well, I said, I said, I think Jim, that's the way I'd rather have it." Mm-hmm. And he says, "Not me. I want a great player." <laughs> 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 but, so, yeah, you win with talent. Mm-hmm. I think the ones that you know, Jim Leland is, is probably the best manager mm-hmm. I've played for. Like I played like for six different teams. Mm -hmm. And so I got to see a lot of different personalities and Jim Leland was just the best at getting the best out of a player. (laughs) You want to hear a fun start? So, Mm -hmm. do you know, Gary Varsho? He's still, I think he's still coaching in the major leagues somewhere. Mm -hmm. Gary Varsho comes up. Jim's always said he's a pretty good triple A player. And (laughs) so (laughs) I mean, that's how honest he was. You'd never ask Jim a question that you didn't want to hear the real answer. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. So, so he puts Gary Varsho out in right field for Bobby Bonilla. And Varsho drops a fly ball and strikes out three times. And so we're thinking, oh gosh. You know, <laughs> we're out there stretching the next day and everybody's, you know, kind of shying away from Gary and you know, thinking, Oh man, he's going to the triple A. He's going down. Mm-hmm. And Jim Leland walks out in front of everybody and goes, Gary, do you wear contacts? And Gary goes, Yeah. He says, "Well, the next time you, I put you in there. Make sure you wear them." <laughs> <laughs> so, so with that one sentence, everybody breaks up. The, it, everybody's freed up to talk to Gary Barsho again. He ain't going down. And Jim said, "I'm going to play again." So, uh, I mean, yeah. that's the kind of manager that he is. I mean, yeah. it's one of my favorite stories of him is he knew what was, what was going on, and he unloaded it for the whole team.
3: Um, I have one quick question. Yeah. Why is it that baseball is the only sport where the manager actually acts like a member of the team? Whereas a the uniform? The uniform, and, the uniform yeah. and he's, he's part of the group. He's not aloof and different and, and pontificating yeah. from not on high Yeah. wearing a tie, right?
5: suit and yeah. tie. Yeah. I, you know, football's a little bit like that, but I think it's the tradition of baseball. You know, coaches are out there on the field, you know, wearing their uniforms. I think it's just tradition.
3: That I mean, bless tradition sometimes, man.
5: Tradition, right Billy Martin. <laughs> yeah. Tradition. Do you remember the old spot-built cleats? They had leather soles in the bottom. No. And they had a little dot in the back. So this is 1990. I, I think spot-built went out of business 10 years before that, or and he was <laughs> still wearing his old leather sole cleats.
4: <laughs> wow. <laughs> Some traditions die hard. Yep. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah.
3: We have a tradition here at The Approach Shot, and it's that we ask every guest six questions. Okay. We call it a six-pack. It's a first answer right off the top of your head, and we're going to do it next, but we'll come right back hang out. This is The Approach Shot.
4: The great Arnold Palmer once said, golf is deceptively simple and endlessly complicated. This quote applies to investing, too. It sounds easy, right? Invest your money and watch it grow but 90% of the people lose money in the stock market. Just remember, you can't control the markets, but you can control your risk. So how do billionaire investors control their risk? They diversify their portfolios with alternative assets like blue-chip art. In fact, many billionaires allocate 10 to 30% of their entire portfolios to art. The simple fact is that blue-chip art prices outpace the S&P 500 by 164% from 1995 to 2020. That's why I was so excited when I found Masterworks. This alternative investing platform lets you invest in paintings by legends like Andy Warhol, Monet, and Picasso without spending millions. Over 300,000 people have signed up, and if you want priority access to their newest paintings, you need to log on to masterworks.art weekend. That's masterworks.art weekend. See important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclosures.
3: And thanks for hanging and coming back to The Approach Shot. I'm John Ashton. He is Neil Michaels. Don Slot is our guest. Neil has been furiously coming up with some questions that will get to the very soul of Mr. Slot.
4: Don, the way it works is we've got a six pack of questions. We ask them. We ask you to give us the very first thought that comes to mind. If you hesitate, pontificate, or any other things, <laughs> you'll hear. So we, don't, we don't allow that kind of stuff here. All
5: right. You ready? Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little scared right now. There you go.
4: Good. That's, <laughs> then we have done our jobs. Question one for Don Slot: Fans usually watch batters come to the plate, and then they chat for a few seconds with a catcher. What opposing batter did you like chatting up the most? Robin Young. Was there a why?
5: Oh yeah. I didn't know I was. Okay, yeah, so you're Robin... allowed to do the why. Okay. So so <laughs> so Larry Gura, our left-handed pitcher, was on the mound. And in Robin's first at bat, he threw him a change up. He hit a home run. <laughs> and Robin's second at bat, he hit a home run to left field on a fastball. Mm. And so the third time he came up, Larry Gura calls me out to the mound. He says, Don, tell him what's coming. He says, I ain't fooling him anyways. Right? So, so for the next two at-bats, I tell him every pitch that's coming. And he's yelling at the umpire to tell me to shut up. So, and, you know, he can't do that. But I, I was, on, on the, the second at-bat, I got to the 3-2 count, and I didn't say anything. <laughs> but it was funny. He, he never got a hit when I told him what was coming. In fact, there's only one player, there's only one player in the major leagues that when I told him it was what was coming, hit a home run. And that was, it was Rafael Palmeiro. We're up nine to nothing and my pitcher is throwing like seventy. Dave LaPointe. And his mm-hmm. arm is broke. He, he just needs to get that fifth inning in. And mm-hmm. so I told him, I'm just going to tell people what's coming and, and we'll go from there. And Rafael Palmeiro gets up there and I say that change up down on the way. He hits it, he jogs all the way around the bases, and he goes, hey, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Make make me feel about this tall. But he was the only guy, and I I did it with several people just to get in their heads.
4: Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. All (laughs) right, question two. Don, which feels better, hitting that perfect drive long and straight right down the middle of a fairway or hitting a rope for a line drive base hit?
5: Rope for a base hit. All right, it's kind of Correction. what I did <laughs> we
4: we'll, we'll get to question three here because this one i'm I'm dying for of all of your teammates in sixteen years of baseball, who is the biggest practical joker?
5: and events like no yes yeah. oh yeah
4: Anything you can tell us
5: Oh I mean you always constantly had to check what was on your hat, you know he'd blow up a bubble and stick a bubble on top of your head you know you know he he'd snuggle up and put something on. Yeah, Andy Vance Slyke did lots of stuff like that, lighting people's shoes on fire, that kind of stuff. Yeah.
4: You would think it would be somebody who wasn't as good a player because he didn't, you know, he had extra time on his hands, maybe a bench player or something. But
5: well, no, this is this that was the problem. Is when he he got a day off, that's when because he he didn't know what to do with his energy, you know. <laughs> Andy Vance like, there's so many stories about him. And uh, he's a guy that will do something and he's got this little angel on his shoulder that he never gets in trouble. I, you know, we're in a batting cage and, you know, he's, he's kind of doing this and he's hitting it a little harder and a little harder. It was the cords to the power in the whole batting cage for all the lights upstage <laughs> and the machines. And, and He hit it a little too hard and it went.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. All right, question four. One of the jobs of a catcher is to intercept a guy who looks like he's going to charge. Which pitcher kept you on your toes the most, either by throwing at people or by talking a lot of smack? Gosh,
5: I, it was a Dodger pitcher. He was into the street fighting with the elbows, and the, and it wasn't me or the hitter that I was protecting. It was Jim Leland charged them out.
4: Oh. Right?
5: And, you know, I'm catching. They had hit one of our players. Oh, gosh, what was that pitcher's name? Huge guy. So I run out and I cut Jim Leland off as he's coming out of the dugout. And we hit the pitcher because he hit one of ours. He probably mm-hmm. hit Barry Bonds. So, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a response. But we hit him and he started to go to the mound. And Jim Leland ran out of the dugout. And Jim Leland, I mean, he's as frail as anybody. And I get between them. Mm-hmm. And then as we're walking off the field after it's broken he goes, thanks, Don. He would have killed me.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, job security right there.
2: Yeah.
5: Yeah.
4: (laughs) All right. Question five, back to the links. What's the most memorable putt you've ever made?
5: Oh. Do you remember the World Series of golf where the baseball players all went out to Pebble Beach? We played a tournament out there.
4: Mm-hmm. Now that you mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, well,
5: mm-hmm. I was a 12 handicap and I rolled one in from 30 feet on. And I, we just had that tournament. We just watched. I was just watching the hole. I said, I made the putt on that hole. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. And we ended up winning the, the trophy for, for the biggest handicap. Basically, because we had Annie Van Slyke on there with an 18 handicap. And he could, right. he could par every par five. I mean, he hit it that far. So, wow. we won that tournament. What do they call it? They call it a... When you put in too high a handicap and you win a trophy. What is that called? Well, in, ca-
4: in a lot of yeah. cases, sandbagging is what they Sand- call it. Well,
5: it's <laughs> sandbagging, but the, they call it a something trophy, I thought. But yeah, sandbagging oh. trophy.
4: Very but, nice. Let's just
5: but, say that. We won the you, sandbagging trophy because of you Andy. A, like. you and, s- you, and Andy, if you ever hear this, that's, I'm calling you out. Because <laughs> you know what? Andy ended up playing on that celebrity tour years later you know, after you retired. So yeah, Andy, I didn't have you
4: to nail the putts.
5: Yeah. I mean, if you're a major league player, can you have an 18 handicap?
3: It's, you know, we, we've talked to a lot of pro athletes who that is a, a main complaint when they get to play in a tournament, like a pro am okay. or something, the people they're playing with expect them to be great golfers. And a lot of them are not.
5: Yeah. Well, I just think 18 is a max. Yeah. Yeah. 18. You shouldn't thing. have an 18.
4: Yeah. 18 is is a bit on the high side, and it, it's almost like when you play and they say, you know, if you hit double par, you pick up your ball. So, yeah, that, that's a max. Got it. All right, question six. Andy, no, Don. <laughs> <laughs> we ask this of everybody who comes on the show. Since we are the approach shot, Don Slot, what is your one rule that you live by?
5: Make decisions once. So, and I based those on my goals. My goals was to get a degree at UCLA and play Major League Baseball. And so every decision was just, will that help me get a degree? Will that help me make it to the Major Leagues? And it was very simple. It just simplified everything. Mm. And you just make it once.
1: Never have nice. to, no don't have to answer.
5: revisit.
4: Very cool. Excellent. Well, I would like to say you're off the hot seat, but since you actually entertained us more on the <laughs> six-pack than most people do, I would say you did a great job. Thank oh, you. Oh, thank that's you. Well Appreciate done.
3: it. All right, Mr. Don, shameless self-promotion time. Anything you'd like our audience to know about? What's going uh, on, man?
5: Well, a little bit about On You. That's my latest coming out of retirement with Dr. Greg Rose. Basically, what he did is he created what they call a Titleist Performance to. Mm -hmm. And he has 10 levels of certification. And he invited myself and Sue Inquist, the UCLA softball coach, nine national championships, to go to his level two youth course. And we sat there for two straight days, blown away at how they teach. They tell you how to teach a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old. They tell you how to evaluate the body so that you're not trying to teach them to do something that they physically can't do. Wow. And as a coach for many years after, after retiring, I found out that that's one of the reasons I missed so many players, is I didn't know that I physically couldn't make that move. <laughs> I thought everything was a coordination thing, like in mm-hmm. golf. But now we saw what Greg had developed in golf and how many pro golfers he's made. He's got 70,000 certified coaches around the world, 56 countries, speaks in 10 languages. Uh, In Mm, fact, I was supposed to do one this Sunday in Korean, which was going to be hard for me, because you have to talk in one sentence, and uh, (laughs) and then let them interpret. But anyway, so we saw what he was doing, what he had done in golf, and you know that got us thinking, man, this we got to create this for baseball. You know, give stuff to dads that are teaching seven year olds, give stuff to you know the high school coaches, and and that's what we've been doing. We've probably trained three thousand certified coaches most of them are what we got kind of hijacked they all the major league baseball took them so we worked with 15 16 major league organizations we trained everybody from the trainer to the strength coach to the hitting and pitching coaches to all speak the same language and learn the, the physical screen to make sure that they're capable of doing the things we're asking them to do and if mm-hmm. they can't then we teach them how to read the 3D motion analysis, which has been around in golf for 20 years. It's been in baseball maybe the last three, okay. uh, so baseball's starting to catch up, and and we're part of that.
4: Very cool. And where can cool. where can people sign up for that?
5: Onbaseu.com.
4: Excellent. Onbaseu.com.
3: Very cool. Don Slot. Great to meet you, sir.
5: Oh, thank you. Nice to meet you guys.
3: And thanks for uh for playing along with us here on the <laughs> show. And,
5: and
4: can I borrow Sluggo as a name,
5: nickname? Sure, <laughs> you can use that. <laughs> or <laughs> not Sluggo. Not
4: Sluggo. <laughs> Right. I could wear a t shirt that says he's Sluggo. No, he's Sluggo. <laughs> <laughs>
5: That's right. You never even asked how I got the name.
4: You know, I was if we've got an extra second, I'm I'm dying.
5: It was a guy named Glenn Mickens. He was, he was a very famous coach out at UCLA for many, many years, played for the Dodgers. And he started calling me Slogo. He says, all you want to do is hit. And he says, <laughs> your name is Slogo. And what's funny is when I got to Kansas City with the Royals, I was on the AAA team playing against the major league team in spring training. And, you know, I was bunting, stealing, throwing balls, trying to pick guys off. And uh, Hal McCray came up with, who is this guy? Yogi Berra? Right, so for the three years I was in Kansas City, my name was Yogi, and then (laughs) uh, when I went to Texas, I had five major league players around my team that called me Sluggo, and so Sluggo came back for the rest of my career.
4: Very interesting. If we combine the two, we could make it (laughs)
5: Sluggy. There you go.
4: I might borrow that one.
5: (laughs) Yogi Sluggo, Sluggo Yogi. There
4: you go. At the time. There was a popular cartoon character named Slugger. Yes,
5: and yes. I wondered and I if heard was... that a, a reporter wrote that. And I said, "No, this is this all has to do with hitting. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Slugger, <laughs> Sluggo is the way it came up."
4: If if it was Al, and, Vader, then, you he... know,
5: in, in college, I, I broke the school record for batting average, and that's yeah. this hitting coach that would throw BP endlessly to me.
4: Well, in college, didn't you hit did you hit four thirty five one year?
5: Uh, I think that's the guy that broke my record. <laughs> Twenty-five <laughs> years later, But four twenty-six, four twenty-eight, something like that.
4: Yeah, they're pretty remarkable. Very, Very cool, cool. Yep. Don Slot. Thanks again for for being Thank with us guys. on the approach shot. Great stuff. Great stuff. If you're a major league baseball fan, you know hearing some of these stories are just fantastic. Pulling the curtain back a little bit
0: attention anyone who is impacted by the current pandemic and has two thousand dollars or more in credit card debt if any credit card companies extended your credit with attractive interest rates or low minimum balances and now because of it you owe thousands of dollars in credit card debt here's some really great news it happened to millions of people at no fault of their own but thanks to a powerful program now approved anyone with two thousand dollars or more in credit card debt can cut their credit card payments up to half and reduce or eliminate interest charges altogether that's right our nation Wide nonprofit program is helping U.S. residents cut their credit card payments. We've helped over half a million people with their credit card debt, and now we can help you. Bad credit card debt happens to good people. Get free of credit card debt today.
5: Call Credit Guard of America now at 800 672 6925 to see how this powerful nonprofit program can work for you. The call and information are free. Call 800 672 6925. That's 800 672 6925. 800 672
3: 6925. Texting enrolls you into recurring automated text messages. Message and data rates may apply. Men, want to feel younger, stronger, leaner? You don't have to slow down after 40.
1: Frank Thomas found the secret to staying in shape with the energy and drive of his 20s.
5: Man, you look like you could still hit it a mile. I feel great too. What gives? After 40, men slow down.
1: It's harder to stay in shape. Why? Our free testosterone levels drop. I gotta try Nugenix Total Tea. Text GRIT to 321321 for your complimentary bottle of Nugenix Total Tea. That's G R I T to
2: 321321.
3: And it is us again, the approach shot. I'm John Ashton. He is Neil Michaels. I have decided I am going to do one to Don Slot. I am now going to study his mannerisms. And be able to do a very good imitation of him. So I am going to do Don Slot on next year's Talk Like a Pirate Day. It had been Manny Sangheon, but now I'm, I'm going with Don Slot.
4: I didn't know where you were going with that, but uh,
3: I can say it was very funny.
4: <laughs> you know how when you talk about kids, your own kids, You always say to people, I don't have a favorite. I love them all the same, which is a crock. But okay, (laughs) let's just, for the sake of not turning off every female listener, we don't love them all the same. We try to love them all the same. Some of them aren't quite as lovable as others. (laughs) Having said that, Don's answer to the first question in the six pack is my favorite answer of any question we have done in the sixty-plus shows in a six-pack. It was <laughs> he gave the the he gave the Robin Yount answer, mm-hmm. and then when we pressed him for an example, what he said was phenomenal. And if you skipped over that, go back because it's <laughs> worth listening to the entire line of John and I blathering for. <laughs> 48 minutes or whatever it is just to hear Don Slot's answer.
3: And we're not going to give it away
4: either. No, we're not. Heck no. heck, no. no. Go
1: back There's and listen. There's a
4: rewind button on your machine. Hit it. That's right. That's what it's there for. Go ahead and rewind it to the first show and listen to all of the shows <laughs> until you get to that answer.
3: <laughs> you have nothing better to do with your life for the next three and a half weeks, do you? When we oh, start man. demanding yeah. things of our listeners,
4: do this. Go to the website and download stuff and subscribe. And while we're demanding, go back and listen to a bunch of other shows. (laughs) That's right. You won't hate us for it. Trust me. You won't. That's true. That's true. There are some that, you know, like our kids, you'll like better than others. (laughs) (laughs) I
3: I took my youngest grandson home today. He stays here a couple days a week because his mama works. He has an older sister and an older brother. The older sister is very much Concerned with being the favorite. Oh, she wants to be the favorite. Mm -hmm. And she was coming off the school buses. We were arriving at the house and uh, Nicholas ran to give her a hug. And I waited for them both to come back and I gave her a hug. And she said, well, thank you for waiting, Papa. I know you waited for me because I'm the favorite. (laughs) (laughs) And and Nicholas looked and he said, no, we know it's Joe.
4: (laughs) Who's your oh. brother? Wow, he just he <laughs> took himself right out of the equation, didn't he? Right out of it. If it makes you feel any better, my kids used to do the same thing. In fact, still to, to this day, they're in their 30s now. And they still, oh, no, I'm, he did that because he's the favorite. No, he did that because I'm the favorite. And they fight right. for it. And I would like to stop them and tell them that's not healthy and unnecessary. But it's so much fun to watch. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and my daughter's, when my daughter's dealing, yeah, I really didn't like either of you all that much when you were kids. <laughs>
4: Just before we move on and, and and you say something about bagpipes. On social media this week, I got an email that said, really love your shows, but I wish that one guy would stop with his fake laugh. It drives me crazy. Fingernails on a chalkboard, right? I guess I memorized it. And I assume he's talking about me because I laugh more than you do. Uh-huh. And to him, I said... Well, I think you're probably talking about me. And the one thing I can absolutely tell you is all of the laughs on this show, 100% genuine. Yes. Which was my way of saying, (laughs) but but it's true. I mean, if we laugh too much, sorry. Yeah. I really, I'd like to apologize for us having a good time and for us having a good time with you. And I do love the fact that after we finish with our guests, many times we get emails from them saying we had a really good time. So if you're having a good time with us and you laugh with us, you just go right ahead. It sounds like fair.
3: One thing that will make some some of you laugh, it's very timely, so I'm going to bring it up even though it has nothing to do with anything we've been talking about. I saw a banner that they've just hoisted up at whatever the name of the stadium is in Detroit where the Lions play.
4: Okay. Ford Field, it used to be. I think it still is.
3: Yeah. And it says, our former quarterback just won the Super Bowl <laughs> 2021
4: <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <So. laughs> how'd you like to be Jared Goff? <laughs> no. Yep. They traded for me. you going to play any golf this week?
3: I am definitely going to play golf this week. Uh, we're we're hitting temperatures of 60 degrees. Crazy. Yeah. So so I've got the uh, and also you know I found out something something really weird that there are grooves in my irons. Do you know <laughs> you have grooves in your irons? I actually cleaned them out and it's like wow, I wonder what these do.
4: That's so, sort of how I feel about my potato chips, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. I'm going out to I'm going out to the course and see if uh, with clean grooves if anything improves. But I am keeping in mind at all times that improving or not improving, golf is a game. And it was invented by the same people and called a game that invented bagpipes and called it music.
4: You're so smooth. I try. You are like, you are like a shave with a Harry's razor. You are so smooth. (laughs) Hey, before I say my little bit, uh, I want to give a shout out real quick to Keith Hirschland, our buddy, his book song girl just came out. Go order it on anywhere you, you order stuff, Amazon, whatever it's Mm -hmm. called song girl. And the author is Keith Hirschland. And, uh, He's a, he's a great author and he's a great friend and, and so good luck with the book, Keith. And remember, when you get your package from Amazon and you open it, it's like life. It's a gift. So open it. You've
1: been listening to The Approach Shot with the weekend golf guys. If you like this week's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcast. And find us on the web at approachshot.net.